Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside Oversight, a podcast of the Veteran Affairs Office of Inspector General. This is your host, Adam Roy. Today, I'm talking with Karina Reba, an audit manager with the Office of Audits and Evaluations. And we're gonna be discussing a recently published report, Suicide Prevention Coordinators Need Improved Training, Guidance, and Oversight. How are you doing today, Karina? I'm doing great, Adam, how are you? I'm good too, thanks for asking. So Karina, suicide is a national health crisis. You know, if you take a look at the VA strategic plan, its prevention is VA's highest clinical priority. And part of that suicide prevention is requiring suicide prevention coordinators located at VA medical facilities across the country to reach out to veterans referred from the Veterans Crisis Line. So before we get into the, your, the findings of the report and what your team recommended, share with the listener a little bit about the Veteran Crisis Line. Yes, so in 2007, the Veterans Health Administration launched the Veteran Crisis Line in response to the Joshua Omvig Suicide Prevention Act. The Crisis Line is available to all veterans, even those veterans that don't receive services at the VA. VHA, or the Veterans Health Administration, encourages all veterans and their loved ones to call in to the crisis line when uh, they feel that the veteran is having issues or other situations that come up that that places the veteran at risk for suicide. Um, crisis there, the crisis line responders will um, answer calls from veterans and they'll provide a broad range of services from giving veterans or their loved ones who call in information about the different services VHA provides or also um, providing intervention services in the community, such as uh, initiating a welfare check to make sure the veteran's okay or dispatching emergency services where uh, the veteran will um, will be hospitalized uh, at a local VA, uh, VA or non-VA hospital. And these coordinators, are they social workers? Um, so these are the crisis line responders, but yes, the crisis line responders are social workers. Um, and then the coordinators, the suicide prevention coordinators, what happens is after the uh, veteran will call the crisis line, uh, the crisis line responders uh, the ones who responded to the call will initiate a referral to a local VA medical facility and they send that referral through a call management system to suicide local suicide prevention coordinators that are located uh, throughout the uh, throughout the country um, and then the suicide prevention coordinators take action to reach out to the veteran and what what kind of services do they provide or offer when they reach out so uh, this is an important step the suicide prevention coordinators because um, after veterans have called the crisis line uh, their risk for um, their risk for suicide is elevated one month after calling the crisis line and continues to be elevated 12 months after so uh, the coordinators what they will do is um, they will address if they reach the veteran they'll address the referral need uh, whether or not that's getting more information about um, the homeless uh, program or connecting with a mental health provider um, and they also help them with the continuity of care or coordinating ongoing care. So in the report it states that VHA employed 
540 coordinators at 135 medical facilities in June of um, as of June of 2020. Um, when we look at the report, they kind of identified some of the things with the following issues. So, you know, coordinators overstated the number of veterans reached within three days. Coordinators didn't intersperse calls as required to increase chances of reaching veterans. And coordinators didn't always make required attempts to reach veterans who received care or assistance in the community. So as your team began to look at this, did you guys consider like the number of employees that uh, were employed as coordinators and like what, what the volume of work that they had to cover in their geographic area? Yes, this was something that we took into consideration and we had met with over a um, hundred coordinators virtually in conversations and trying to get a handle for their workload because in addition to um, to managing the crisis line referrals, they also have other responsibilities about tracking high risk veterans uh, that receive care at the VA and providing training to VA staff and the community. Um, so this was something that was on our radar and uh, also during COVID, we also took that into consideration where the, that impacted the management of referrals. And what we had found is that uh, based on our conversations with coordinators that uh, the, uh, the workload was manageable in terms of the uh, crisis line referrals. There were some newer uh, coordinators who uh, just needed more, a little more time and training. Uh, but other than that, uh, most based on our conversations with them had felt that, like the workload was manageable. So you mentioned the pandemic. Uh, what did VHA do specifically? Um, what changes did they make um, as a result of the pandemic in relation to the roles and responsibilities of the, the suicide prevention coordinators? So in response to the pandemic, uh, VHA had made a couple of changes, um, albeit slight but important. Um, one change was to require the coordinators to make one additional attempt. Uh, prior to this policy, the issuance of this policy, coordinators were required to um, make two phone call attempts and send a letter or make um, three phone call attempts and send a letter. With the issuance of the policy, it required coordinators to make four attempts. So they were required to make three phone call attempts and send a letter. In addition, uh, prior to the this policy, coordinators could make calls uh, whenever they felt like it or if it fit in their schedule. So they could make all of their attempts on the same day or within an hour or 30 minutes of receiving the referral. And this policy changed that to require coordinators to intersperse their calls and make the three phone call attempts on three separate days. Um, so this way, the reason why they did it is so that vet, uh, the coordinators would have a better chance of reaching the veterans um, instead of potentially making calls within one hour and the veterans at work or gone for the day and not, not, not available. And these changes were made during the pandemic? Correct. Uh, right. And do they, do, were they, do they still remain in place today? These, these policies? Yeah, the changes do remain in place today. Another part of why VHA made this change is to um, align closer to their general uh, and mental health scheduling policies that are in place when a veteran is making appointment and um, other staff are following up to schedule the appointment with veterans. So when we look at the report, and I mentioned it earlier, sort of the primary issues you found, and you've kind of touched on that a little bit, um, one were, you know, one being that they didn't intersperse their calls as much, and we covered that. Some would call, you know, um, 
make all three phone calls in one day. Now they're required to space those calls out. Um, what, one of the issues identified was coordinators overstated the number of veterans reached within three days. Can you expand on that a little bit? What does that mean? Yes, yeah, so this was um, our primary, one of our primary issues and, um, you know, having accurate data and information, especially on such a sensitive topic um, is key. So management can make decisions on whether or not their current procedures are working because the goal is for uh, these coordinators to reach as many veterans as possible to get to see if their needs were met they have additional needs and also what coordinators do is they assess the veteran again at that time for potential risk for suicide um, so that is the primary goal for these coordinators to reach veterans so what we had found in when we looked at the call management system is that the system had showed that uh, coordinators had reached about a, a really high percentage 82 percent of these veterans and provided services or answered questions whatever it is that the veteran what the veterans need was um, but in looking at uh, the veterans electronic records as well as coordinators detailed notes in the system um, when we looked at a sample we found that um, the coordinators had not reached as many it was about 20 percent less so instead of um, you know, VHA believes that the coordinators reached about 82%. It was really 62%. Um, in working with the coordinators and trying to get to the bottom of, of why this was occurring or, or what had happened, uh, the coordinators weren't familiar with or uh, they didn't have the training on what uh, code to select when they were closing out the referral. So as they process these referrals, they make their attempts if they reach the veteran, uh, they talk to the veteran and still close out the referral and documenting their actions. So they select patient codes that um, reflect their actions. And what had occurred is that these coordinators were selecting codes that reflected the crisis line responders action. Uh, so let's say a veteran called the crisis line, the responder had initiated a welfare check or um, sent an emergency dispatch and the veteran ended up in the hospital. The coordinator would make their attempts um, it was clear in the notes that they had not reached the veteran, but as they closed out this referral, they would have selected a welfare check, even though they didn't talk to the veteran and initiate a welfare check, the crisis line responder. Uh, so there was a lot of confusion at the coordinators about what, um, what patient outcome code to select. And then also um, managers were not reviewing or training uh, these coordinators to make sure they knew uh, what the right process was um, and the individuals at the crisis line who were collecting this information and data and reporting it to officials uh, they were also not verifying the accuracy of the information to make sure it was correct. So <clears throat> you touched on a lot there but it's I think it's would it be accurate to say that um, there are some training deficiencies and some management oversight um, uh, through through the, the review that you found? Right. I would say in general that the um, the oversight um, and the management, the oversight at the various levels uh, wasn't as consistent as it should be with uh, with reviewing these crisis line referrals and overseeing the coordinators in this aspect of their of their responsibilities. So kind of continuing along with those issues we talked about, um, the report says, to quote, these conditions occurred because VHA and VISN and medical facility management officials needed to enhance the management of crisis line referrals and coordinator supervision. 
can you talk a little bit about that? Um, are we talking, and I believe we're talking a little bit about metrics here, right? Right, so uh, VHA had established metrics that were really focused on um, timeliness, on processing these referrals quickly to make sure the coordinators were responsive to these referrals and not focused on the quality of these referrals. Um, also, VHA's policy wasn't very uh, specific and direct to uh, make sure that at the other two levels, at the regional level, the visions, and at the local level, at the medical facilities, um, that they provided enough as uh, oversight and there was clear direction and guidance about what they should be reviewing to make sure that uh, supervisors at the local level had identified some of the issues that we'd already talked about. Let's go back and talk about the, um, the VHA policy change where they um, had to call now have to call on separate days. Um, prior to that, you know, why, why was it what was happening with that situation? You know, like when you looked into that, what was going on with coordinators maybe reaching out to a veteran three times within an hour, as you provided as an example earlier. So coordinators, when we reached out to coordinators and talked to them, um, they had mentioned that uh, they were trying to process these referrals quickly. In some cases, they had incorrectly believed that they had to process these referrals quickly and close them out in the call management system for veterans, providers, uh, physicians to be able to see the detailed notes from the crisis line and be uh, so the provider could contact the veteran quickly, uh, which was not the case. So there was a lack of awareness um, in some coordinators on that part. Uh, there was also some coordinators that had said they, they weren't aware of the change in policy despite uh, program officials once they issued this change in policy. Uh, they emailed it out to the coordinators as well as uh, during one of their monthly calls with coordinators. Uh, they had also discussed this change. Uh, so some coordinators, uh, when we looked at the data and information about closing these referrals quickly without reaching the veterans, uh, what happened prior to the issuance of uh, this memo and what happened after, uh, we looked at the same coordinators who had um, where the data showed that they did this consistently and they just continued that practice for the two reasons that I talked about. Um, you know, just trying to get through the referrals thinking that they didn't have that requirement or believing that they needed to close these referrals out quickly. What about um, veterans who received care in the community? Um, is it, am, am I uh, accurate in saying that veterans often were referred, what, to a veteran, uh, a VA facility, and then often or could have been referred to a care in the community facility, a non-VA facility. So with the, with the responsibility of the suicide prevention coordinators, are they the same when the veteran receives services in you know, a VA location or a non-VA location? Yeah, so the responsibility should be the same. Coordinators should uh, continue to, once they receive the referral, make their required phone call attempts, um, try to reach the uh, the veteran. Uh, that's the goal, is because it is important for the continuity of care, like I'd mentioned, and to actually to uh, assess the veteran again. Where are they at? Are they still at risk for suicide? Do we need to offer additional services? And what was happening is um, coordinators when uh, they had looked at the notes from the crisis line responder and they saw that uh, a veteran was hospitalized at a local non-VA hospital, uh, they would sometimes just call the hospital, confirm that the veteran 
had been hospitalized and close out the referral, not make any more attempts. Um, same situation with the welfare check. Okay, the veteran had a welfare check. Someone checked on them. They must be okay. Um, I'll, you know, uh, I see the notes in that case, and then I'll just uh, close out the referral without uh, making their required attempts to reach the veteran. So when we had looked at a sample of these cases where veterans had received uh, different types of assistance in the community, we had found that coordinators were not always uh, making their required attempts and uh, just with situations that I had just, uh, just described. And so there was a lot of confusion on the coordinators part of um, did they need to follow up with uh, continue to follow up with the veteran or was it enough that they checked and make sure that the veteran was uh, in a non-VA hospital. And why is it so important? Um, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Why is it just why is it so important for these coordinators to continue to reach out to the veterans um, and ensure that they're uh, getting the services that they need, even though maybe they maybe a veteran calls and has thoughts, but then, um, you know, receives help uh, it what why is it so important to continue to reach out to them based on yeah. you know, your the, this, the information available to your team so um, for these particular cases a lot of these veterans uh, were at higher risk for suicide they either had um, had an attempt or um, the, the case was so severe that the crisis line responder um, had initiated that welfare check or someone to check on uh, these veterans to make sure they were okay because at this point the crisis line responder had believed that um, there was an imminent threat either to the veteran or someone else. So that's usually uh, the reason behind initiating a welfare check or dispatching emergency services for the veteran. So these veterans were uh, generally higher risk based on the crisis line responders information and notes and their actions. And then also after, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, studies have shown that these veterans after they call the crisis line, they are at um, they are at a particularly high risk within one month of calling the crisis line, and it continues to be elevated at 12 months. So, if you have another individual, uh, such as the coordinator who who is a social worker and has um, has experience and a background with with and uh, with working with veterans or patients that need additional mental health services if deemed necessary or at risk for suicide. So it is important that these coordinators, um, you know, make contact with these veterans and assess them for potential risk at that time and then ask them if they need additional services at, uh, at the VA or even in the community. They can also, uh, you know, assist with trying to coordinate care with them or sending them to the right person. Do the coordinators uh, stay with the veteran? Um, and ch for a long period of time and as part of a case management? Do, do they stay with that veteran or um, are they after, you know, beyond the required attempts, beyond mm -hmm. talking to them, beyond providing the services, how, you know, do they go back and check on those veterans six, seven, 12 months down the road? So um, I generally speaking, no, not in all cases. However, the part of the coordinator's responsibility is if a veteran who receives care within the VA has a, it's called a high risk flag, and it's for those veterans that are at higher risk or um, have had an attempt, then they will follow 
um, and track these veterans, check in with them every couple of months, help them coordinate um, appointments and services for the care that uh, they need. So in some cases, yes, but uh, no, not in all, uh, not in all cases. And what did ultimately did your team's report recommend to the VA uh, to the VA? So we had uh, five recommendations to uh, address the issues that we had identified. Um, number one, with the first issue that we've talked about, make sure your data is accurate so managers can make uh, better, more informed decisions about the, pro the current processes and um, coordinators and managing the crisis line. Uh, train the coordinators, make sure that they know how to uh, use the patient outcome codes when they're closing out these referrals. Um, <clears throat> require managers to review referral information. So here's, you know, tied to that oversight, uh, making sure local managers are reviewing the referrals to verify that coordinators are following up with the veterans that, such as received care in the community and assistance, and also making sure that they're making their required attempts. And then clarify expectations for coordinators so there's not that confusion of if a veteran receives care in the community, what are their next steps? What are the expectations? And then um, monitor the referrals, continue to monitor their referrals, establish essentially a quality assurance uh, system uh, to make sure that supervisors and um, are reviewing these referrals to identify the issues that uh, we had discovered in the report and do it on a routine basis. Uh, so do it every periodically so you can address the issues as they come up. And uh, what, what happens next? Um, what steps does your team take now now that the report is published and, and you know, VA is, you know, where are the findings and, you know, working through those recommendations? So generally the next steps are um, every month we will get a report on um, the actions taken by VHA uh, to close these recommendations. So uh, the IG will, uh, the OAG staff will monitor these actions and I'll review uh, the information that VHA provides to make sure that they're adequately addressing these recommendations. And uh, generally, uh, VHA is trying to close these recommendations uh, within a year. Excellent. All right, is there anything else you want to add today, uh, Karina, before we um, we log off? That Anything else that you'd like to, to, about the report or about the type of oversight work that this report covered? No, I think, um, you know, thank you for taking the time to meet with me on such a, um, a sensitive topic. And, uh, you know, I really believe that the, the work that my team did and the issues identified were are important for um, helping BHA continue to grow. Um, in terms of suicide prevention and ensuring that the, the veterans are, um, these higher risk veterans are taken care of and, and get the care that they need. I couldn't agree more. Karina, thank you so much for joining me today. Your team does very important work on behalf of the VA OIG, and it's reflected in the report that we just talked about. Listeners, if you want to go out and read the report, Suicide Prevention Coordinators Need Improved Training, Guidance, and Oversight, go to our website and search for the report underneath the Reports tab. Well, that's it for this episode of Inside Oversight. I encourage you to check out other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. This has been an official companion podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. Companion podcasts are produced by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs and are available at va.gov forward slash OIG. 
Please subscribe and tune in monthly to hear how our work is helping to improve the lives of veterans. Visit the website to learn more about how the VA OIG serves veterans by conducting meaningful, independent oversight. Report potential crimes related to VA, waste or mismanagement, potential violations of laws, rules, or regulations, or risks to patients, employees, or property to the OIG online, or call the hotline at 1-800-488-8244. If you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 and speak with a qualified responder now.